You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz. We've got the full crew here today, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And we are talking about an absolute ass-kicking. Uh, K-State beats TCU 41-3. to Wildcats rush for over 340 yards. Both quarterbacks played and played pretty effectively. Uh, no s- real separation there. Defense. Uh, throws up a game in which they do not allow a touchdown. So lots of positives to break down here today. And it certainly calls for raising your glass of 360 vodka or Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon from our friends at Holiday Distillery. Yes, whichever one you need for Saturday. It's 11 a.m., a little earlier. Uh, whatever cocktails you're going to be whipping up at the tailgate uh, for the Houston game this Saturday, make sure you're using your 360 vodka or your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon. And we will see you out there at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday. Get stocked up for the rest of tailgate season and support those who support us with our friends at Holiday Distillery. Cole, did you did you throw back a couple of Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbons on uh, on Saturday after the game? I, I, I did actually. I was uh, having a couple before the game and uh, felt felt well enough finally to do it again. Uh, it was an up and down week with uh, battling some sickness, but uh, felt well enough pregame Saturday finally by around four o'clock that I had a couple. So. Never too sick for a little booze, you know. That's <laughs> cleared cleared the uh, cleared the sinuses right up, uh, and then we had Wyatt at the uh, the Cats for Play Classic, the Wildcat right. NIL event at Colbert Hills, making some uh, wonderful mule drinks with 360 vodka out there on the course, uh, supporting K State as well, and uh, de- serving some delicious drinks. He was a popular guy, so uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when you got the booze, you're going to be a popular guy. That's that's generally how it works, uh, man. I mean, complete effort, complete, complete effort for this team. Um, The quarterbacks took a lot of the focus during the week and what was going to happen there. And honestly, I mean, it's certainly a storyline from the game, but it was just that the story of the game is is how much K-State completely dominated both lines of scrimmage, I would say. I mean, 342 rushing yards, Cooper Beebe out there talking smack on Twitter, which I love, uh, throwing it back at, at TCU, and then got a ton of pressure on Josh Hoover, TCU's quarterback throughout the game, never made his life easy at all and, and held TCU off the board, uh, at least from a touchdown standpoint. So I don't know. I mean, this is as complete an effort as we've seen since, what, Oklahoma State last year probably? I mean, certainly gave you those those kind of vibes. Baylor was up there um, yeah. as well. Both of those games, I would say, that was 31-3. to Oklahoma mm-hmm. State was 48-0. This was 41-3. to It certainly is in that neighborhood and, and rivals what those two games kind of produced. It's hard to pick out flaw in the ointment, so to speak. Like you said, they dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You know, one of my takeaways immediately after the game in the feature that I wrote was that I didn't remember the last time that Josh Hoover threw with, the, with his feet set, even if there wasn't actually sacks being produced. And I think that's pretty impressive because he, you, you could tell that uh, he's not the most comfortable when moving in the pocket or at least having to move the pocket. He needs... Uh, to kind of be back there and, and unimpeded, uh, which is not, you know, 
unnormal for, for a redshirt freshman, which is why I thought that would be one of my keys. I thought BYU allowed him to sit back and kind of just do what he wanted to do, and that's why he had the big day there. He still threw it a ton. He almost threw it 60 times versus BYU. He threw it over 40 times against Kansas State. But think about what that yards per attempt is when you attempt 43 passes and only throw for 187. Um, f- five yards a carry just because I think there was two big ones from Imani Bailey. You say big with perspective. I think it was 35 yards, and and another one was something else, that, you know, probably close to that. But the defense also started to eliminate the big plays. you got to think about it. Think about it. They were giving up probably four or five over 30 yards a game. This one, I think it's only one or two. So progress being made there. Offensively, uh, the passing game showed flashes, which is more than what it had been doing. I wouldn't say it was marvelous, but it showed some flashes. You had your one quarterback look pretty pretty good, like you're starting to figure some things out, even though there was some flaws with Will Howard. Um, probably two or three throws where you can pick nits there and say, yeah, where what, what what's kind of going on at this point? And then Avery Johnson probably ran into some freshman mistakes here and there on a couple of his dropbacks as well. Uh, but then you run for 6.6 yards carry. Uh, Cole will probably talk about it, but they're starting to get into school record-breaking history in terms of what they're doing on the ground. 6.6 is only helping that uh, per rush. And then Jace Brown breaks out a little bit at the receiving uh, which is good to see because you needed somebody to kind of be explosive. Now he's reception wise, he's right there with everyone else. What, what typically they have produced, but in terms of, you know, getting open in the red zone or producing uh separation down the field, you know, we hadn't seen a lot of that. Jane Jackson, a couple of times, uh, even though the quarterback had missed him a few times earlier in the year. And then Garrett Oakley, the one time where Will Howard missed him. But there just hasn't been a lot of those, and, and and Jace Brown provided that, which is nice because you need somebody to boost that element of the offense. I think you have to go back to the Troy game, D.Y., for a wide receiver to catch a vertical ball like Jace yeah. Brown did, and that was Jaden Jackson, like you mentioned. Yeah. I, I can't remember a wide receiver catching a ball vertically on a fly like Jace. That's right after they get to UCF, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, we can talk about Jace Brown more in depth, obviously, as well as this show goes on, because that's that's a big story potentially developing as well and getting a, a real weapon there at wide receiver. Three points by TCU. I, I started going down this uh, rabbit hole, guys, yesterday and learned that the uh, the three points are the fewest scored by TCU in a game since 1993. Texas A&M and their season finale. Kept going year by year. Uh, look, maybe I did miss one, but I went through every season year by year and uh, came to 1993, the last time that they scored three points or less in a game. So shout out to the Kansas State defense, 4.3 yards per pass for Hoover after he threw for 439 the week before against BYU. You mentioned it, D.Y. Uh, they completely bottled him up, and I think he had 132 yards passing going into that last drive of uh, garbage time in the game when Sonny Dykes was calling timeouts, trying to punch it in, which, by the way, Felt really sweet to not let them get in the end zone. Uh, it did. That was uh, that was particularly enjoyable. Uh, Kansas State's offense, obviously, forty-one points, and you know we talked about it on the last show. K State now is number ten nationally in the SP plus offensively, and so while there had been some frustrating moments this year, particularly the Oklahoma State game, that is feeling more like the outlier. They've scored forty or more points in every home game so far this it year. Be. I say it would be. Everybody has a bad game. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think so. Uh, KSU fan tweeted this out yesterday. The the all season 
drive charts, points per drive, and K-State is number one in the Big 12 for the entirety of the season. Um, and points per drive scored at 3.31 ahead of Texas, ahead of Oklahoma. Uh, they're, they're number one, or, or they're number three in the Big 12 in points per drive differential, which takes the offensive points per drive and defensive points per drive and gives you that differential. They're at 1.57 there. The next closest at uh, number four is KU, I think, at 0.68. So there's a pretty considerable gap there. Uh, this team is is playing good football now. Uh, last two games, you know, we talked about running the football. You mentioned it, D.Y. They're now at uh, 5.62 yards per carry on the season. That ranks number seven in the country. 233 yards per game on the ground. That ranks number three in the country. That's number one among all Power 5 schools. And the 5.62 yards per carry, the most that I had found for a yards per carry in a season by a K-State team was in 2016, which was 5.3. So they are considerably higher than that number right now with what they are doing offensively. Four straight game over 200 yards on the ground. Last time they did that was 2016 when they had seven straight games at 200 yards on the ground. And the 343 rushing yards ties for the second most in the Chris Kleiman era at Kansas State. They rushed for 343 against Texas Tech last year and rushed for over 360 against Nichols in the uh, the season debut or the uh, the career debut at Kansas State for Chris Kleiman. And it's, I'm looking at this because I just caught this stuff too by looking at the stats page. If you do it sackage, sack adjusted, they ran for seven yards to carry, 356 yards. And then I didn't catch this until now, and it's, and it's probably more of a black eye on me than anything. They were 10 of 13 on third down. Yeah, uh, they So, D.Y., they are – Number seven, let's see here. They're number seven in the country at third down offense on the season now at 53%. Their third down defense, their third down defense is 15th in the country at 30%. And I meant to mention this on the rushing yards for K-State's offense. And the first five games, they had 30 rushes of 10 play, 10 yards or more. And the last two games, since they started playing both quarterbacks, they've got 29 rushes of 10 yards or more. They had 16 against TCU. They had 13 against Texas Tech. So far, that that QB run game has opened up things for Ward and Giddens a little bit in the backfield, but 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 at some point, it's going to open up the passing game as well. Yeah, well, and, and that's I mean, there you guys have brought up a lot of thoughts here. First of all, K State beef, man. I mean, shout out. We had frustrations with them early in the year, but clearly they're they're doing a hell of a job that seems to have come together. You know, even like like Carver Willis, you know, a guy that we talked about struggling early on in the year seems to have gotten a lot better. I mean, there, there's just a lot of praise that needs to go around to to the offensive line and the job that they have been doing. I also think it is it is funny to sit here like we've had so many frustrations with the offense throughout the year, and yet you, you rattle off these numbers, and it's like, what what have we really been doing, particularly with, you know, some of the offenses that K-State has had in the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. But I to me... That that really is all about. We just we expected the passing game to be better, right? Because you saw an improved passing game last year down the stretch. That was how they were winning games. Like Will was throwing it down the field and getting vertical all the time, and you felt really good about all the threats that you had out there. It's just that we we expected it would be more of the same there and not back to like quarterback run and and pounding people on the ground, right? That that has to be creating this perception that the offense has has been struggling for a lot of the year. I would agree. Yeah, I, some of it's expectations. Some of it is the the passing game not being pretty, uh, and some of it was just an overreaction to one game. I would say too, because yeah. the the passing game didn't look abhorrent or, or you know abysmal other than that one game. Now there's games where it's like, man, it's got to be better, 
but it never it only looked abysmal once. Uh, I mean, even against TCU, we're talking about this run game. I mean, the quarterbacks combined to go like you'd like to see better efficiency, but they combined to go 15 of 26 for 244 yards and four touchdowns. So now, so that is throwing at two yards and the other guy running at 70, but hey, it counts. Well, yeah, it was, you had the the swing pass. You also had Avery Johnson gets credit for a touchdown pass on an option pitch that went forward. So, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, the two swing pa- DJ Giddens had about 80 yards on two swing passes, right? It felt like the... Cause the think, about, think about what Deuce did to TCU last year. I just... What, what, the, where they... I don't understand why they don't defend the running back out of the backfield. They they clearly saw something on film. They that was open every every single time that was wide open. And I let's see here. They uh Cole, the other thing I'll slip in too is like jet sweeps they were utilizing a lot too. Like they clearly found something like on the edge in space with TCU that wasn't working and they just went to it over and over again. I was just amazed like what it I don't know what Joe Gillespie is doing or what they're paying him for uh, on the TCU sideline, but they couldn't make any adjustments to stop any of that. That's a good point, John, because these are the wide receivers that also had carries on Jet Seeps. Jace Brown, Keegan Johnson had two, Phillip Brooks, Jaden Jackson. They ran five carries to four different wide receivers. You're forgetting one very important wide receiver who had a carry on a Jet Sweep, Cole. Oh, yes, Avery Johnson. Uh, so you can add uh, five in there as well. Cool job! What a troll yeah, job! Yeah. I love that. That was amazing. Oh wait, who's going to start? Who's going to start? And Colin Klein's like, you know, middle finger. Both yeah. yeah, the TV broadcast yeah. was funny because they're like literally talking about like, okay, you know that who do we see at quarterback? And literally, you you see like Will jog out onto the field, and then the camera catches Avery like lagging behind, also walking out onto the field. So like you're watching that, and I was like, man, I can imagine that just had to blow people's minds. Like, what is happening? Anyway. Yeah, about a trivia question a few years. You know, Avery Johnson's first career start came as a wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And you know, Cole, do you remember when they threw Daniel Stanton? No, like an eye back for Jake Waters one time. I knew he was, I knew exactly. You can't keep the name out of his mouth every time we talk about this. So. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been done before. Okay, yeah, so it's yeah. not actually I, completely I, novel. I remember. Yes. Uh, my yeah. Well, look, good vibes. I would say the quarterbacks to me now. I just said like, hey, all these numbers are great, and we kind of nitpick the offense and complain about the offense. You know, I mean, the quarter. It's still again, it's the the inefficiency of the passing game where I'm still a little bit like, you know, it's it's leaving something to be desired, but it doesn't matter if you're, if you're running the ball like that. I think the obvious concern is going to be, can you run the ball like that on everybody? Like, you know, TCU, UCF, uh, you've had tremendous games on the ground against uh, Texas tech, Texas tech too. You know I mean? Worth mentioning there, but uh, that, that I think will be the, the question moving forward. So we'll get into that uh, in just a moment, but of course we have to thank our friends at home field apparel uh, for supporting the pod all the great gear that you see us wearing all the time. Cole has panned his camera down right now to the the shirt that I hope to be receiving very soon with the uh, old school uh, basketball logo with the script cats. D.Y.'s got uh, Cocaine Willie on the K-State uh, sweater that he is rocking right now. So everybody's got the home field on except me. I messed up today, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, we started a little early, so I was just trying to hurry and just grab what I could find. But I should have been wearing my home field if I went to homefieldapparel.com and use promo code 3MOD23, I'd get 15% off my first order. Hint, hint. So use promo code 3MOD23, you get 15% off your first order there, whether you're getting uh, any K-State gear, which they have a ton of stuff and a ton of new, fresh, updated stuff, um, 
Or if you're going to get something from one of the 100 plus other schools that they have, get to homefieldapparel.com. We're back with more next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I guess on the note of what we were talking about there and how much this is a replicable thing that the offense can do moving forward. I mean, to me, it, it is great to be running the way that you are on the ground. And like Treshawn Ward, I, I would I think he's another guy that deserves mention again. He still just looks to me like he has so much more juice the last couple of weeks than he did the first month of the season. But I, the biggest story of the game to me on offense is absolutely Jace Brown. Like you had a receiver breakout and somebody that has more explosiveness, more speed, and just, again, more juice, like more pop to him. The route that he ran to get open in the end zone where he, you know, fakes like it's going to be like a corner and then comes back on like a post. I mean, we, I don't, that was like some Tyler Lockett stuff, man. Like the route running that he would have to create separation all the time. I just, it was very refreshing. It was very refreshing to see a receiver make a move on a guy who was right there and get himself open. And the fact that he is just a freshman, super encouraging, um, for this year and for the future. So tip of the cap to Jace Brown, giving me uh, a little bit of renewed optimism about what the offense can be. Yeah, I mean, we could have mentioned for a few few times, I know Cole as a source was kind of saying it, and I, and I had a couple that, you know, Jace Brown was going to be able to kind of make a mark, you know, on this offense at some point just because he provided a trait that wasn't really evident or existed in, in the guys that they were using just because – uh, it, it hadn't come together yet for Keegan Johnson. That was part of it as well. And, and Jace Brown went out there and showed that speed and explosiveness and an ability to attack down the field that was lacking in the Kansas State offense. Uh, Arbit is that he is that good, and he will be. Obviously, he's going to continue to be used more and more as the season moves along, and hopefully he's a, a consistent and reliable weapon in that way for the remainder of the year. Arbit's because TCU probably didn't know anything about him. So all they did was run main coverage at him, and he made him pay. Uh, the few times where they did throw some zone at him, he looked a little bit more confused and, and and not necessarily know what to do exactly in those situations, couldn't find the pocket, couldn't find the spacing. So that's obviously probably the element where he's going to have to show the mo- most improvement because he's going to see more of that the more film he puts out there for other teams to see. Yeah, I mean, I was. I guess super, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, John. I was going to say part of the with the the receivers has just been nobody can get open against man coverage, right? So just having somebody who can 
get open against man coverage. And we expect, like you said earlier, hey, the running game opening up more and more uh, with QB run and what they're doing should eventually help you in the passing game. It should eventually help you get some more one-on-one sort of opportunities there. Yeah, because you're going to lose the safety over the top if you have to dedicate more guys to the run. Yeah, I mean, and you do all this with Ben Sennett not catching a pass, got dinged up. D.Y., do we think he's okay? He's he, going to ask to back in. Yeah, he tried to go back in one time and, and then had to kind of limp off. But the the limps to me didn't look like yeah. particularly troubling. That just looked like a, a an ankle sprain where they just shut it down because they could. Uh, and he went into the locker room. I thought he went in and got a tape job and it went out and it didn't work. Yeah, and when he went into the locker room, I watched him. He jogged up the ramp just fine. Um, yeah, I'm, but, not, I'm not too concerned. I, I bet he misses a couple practices, but I'm not too concerned. Yeah, and I mean, this would be I, – I shouldn't overlook Houston, so I shouldn't say yeah. this, but I was like, no. yeah, all right. If he can go, he should go. All right, all right. I was just going to say, you know, it feels like a letdown spot for Houston here coming off their Super Bowl against Texas. We know yeah. that that game is super important to them, and they, they almost had it. Man, it's too bad. Uh, not- can, we, can we talk – yeah, on that – what the hell was that spot on third down? Dana was right to be hot about that in post game. They got screwed. It should have never come down to the fourth down play. Yeah, I mean they got the first down. They got the first down on third oh, and but, short. But John, the Big Twelve's out to get them. The refs are out to get them. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Believe me, I was all over it on the YouTube show uh, last night, Cole. About Oklahoma that. got some calls too. Oklahoma got a call at the end of the first half, a bullshit pass interference call that got them three points, and they won the game by two. Yeah, and on the, you know, the leagues, the leagues. Yeah. Not, by the way, looking way ahead of here, but if Kansas State were to play, say hypothetically, Oklahoma in the Big Twelve title game, Oklahoma struggling against UCF's offense has to make them completely a little worried if they had to play Kansas State's offense. Those have some similarities in terms of what they do in the run game. Well, and considering John Rice Plumley still couldn't move, and they still yeah. had trouble. Uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma gets away with a blatant hold on the go-ahead touchdown with Drake Stoops. I mean, can't. I, just get out of here with that garbage. I, I think it's just hilarious. It would have been so funny, and it's still kind of funny that the, both those schools nearly lost to the newbies in the league on the same day. So uh, it's too bad at least one couldn't have gone down. But uh, anyways. Hey, uh, the, Haw- the Hawks are going to get Oklahoma this weekend, Cole. BYU. BYU can come in and get, get Texas. I, I worry about KU right now where they are. But, uh, Cole, I think you were on Jace Brown. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so actually, now over the uh, the last really four plus quarters of football that Jace Brown has played, he's got three catches of over 20 yards. He had a 20 plus yarder against Texas Tech. He had two in this game. I actually, obviously, the uh, the route for the touchdown, John, was phenomenal. The throw on the third and ten from Avery was a thing of beauty uh, on that 40 plus yard pass. And then I, I think my, one of my Maybe my favorite catch of the day, though, was the uh, the ball toward the pylon just because of when Avery released it and Jace Brown was fighting through contact and made that play, which, by the way, I don't really know how that's not DPI considering the one on Will Lee that was called earlier in the game or, or the next series. But it doesn't matter. He caught the ball. I just thought uh, Jace Brown provides a different element for this offense. He's a true freshman. I, I think it's funny that uh shows my recruiting chops and how stupid I am, D.Y., that Maybe Jace Brown was the wide receiver out of the four they landed in the 2023 recruiting class that I might have been maybe least excited about. Uh, and now he looks to be the guy uh, to be most excited about in that class with Trace Spivey not far behind. And then you got Wesley Watson and Andre Davis who are going to redshirt this year. So uh, Jace Brown roommates with Avery Johnson. Uh, Avery said uh, on our podcast last week that he's maybe his best friend on the team or one of his best friends. 
And it sure seems like they got a special connection and uh, that could be a special, special duo in the future for long-term. Yeah. Well, how about, I mean, the freshmen that are contributing the most from this class, um, I mean, outside of Avery Johnson, obviously, which I think we, we expected would probably happen. It's Austin Romaine and Jace Brown, like, and nobody paid much attention to them at all in that, that recruiting class. And I know Romaine was a little limited too, if we're talking about injuries, did he, did he, did he play? No, I don't think he didn't he did. like. No. I know yeah, I heard Climate said, said it was like limited that he'd be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said it wasn't a certainty. And obviously he nailed that one. Chris Climate did. Um, Romaine's playing well. Uh, I thought Jay Clifton might have even outplayed what he had been throwing on the field. At least had been a linebacker. Probably because Clifton got the full week there at practice. Was able to inundate himself a little bit more in it. I mean, the guy playing three spots. I, I can see. Sometimes where he's got to work himself into it a little bit. So another guy, yeah, Jake Litter was another guy I thought really deserved probably some kudos for his performance. The Austin Romaine thing, probably not long-term, uh, probably. It is a long-term. Um, it wouldn't be a shot for him to play against Houston. And, you know, Jack Fabris was another one of that true freshman class that was probably at the bottom of the barrel right. towards the breaking. I, I think he might be a little dinged up just because he didn't make the trip to Lubbock. So usually that's a sign of where that is too, but that's another true freshman that probably wasn't, you know, very lauded in terms of recognition or ranking, you know, having a spotlight on him. But uh, he's cracked through. And, and guys, they aren't playing regularly, but um, that clearly have impressed the coaches enough to be traveling, to be mentioned on a regular basis. Another one would be Chidi Obiizer. And uh, I think he has a bright future as well. Uh, actually, you know, that game probably meant a lot to him just because his brother's plays for the Frogs. Rex Man Y got some snaps at the end of the game, man. A little, you know, uh, little pass breakup. Started coming along. He could be a weapon once once everything starts to click for him. I think he actually has a pretty bright upside just because, you know, that's a linebacker that's about 6'4", and a wingspan's probably even longer. That's why he's able to get a hand on a few of those passes that you saw. Yeah, junior college transfer who hadn't played yet this year, but they're planning to hopefully redshirt. Maybe they can still squeeze in three more yeah. times with him. He only played one year at Juco Ball, so he's only one year, yeah. one and a half years removed from high school football. He's not right, that. right. But they they still, I think that was his first game, right, DY? So they can use yeah, it for three but, more but if he, they need to. Yep, but it, he made the trip to Stillwater and Lubbock, so you knew that one was start heading in the right direction. Yeah, that's good news. That's good news. And, uh, from a depth standpoint, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's good that you could rest Romaine and just hopefully get him closer to 100% for the uh, the Houston game and going the rest of the way and, and not really miss a beat on the defensive side of the football. And you got Will Lee back, and he's out on the field for a considerable amount of snaps. And I wonder on the you know the accelerator that you'll lighten, lighten it up a little bit on Desmond Purnell and Austin Moore because those two have played a lot of snaps the last three weeks. Yeah, they have. Desmond Purnell, man, just playing really good football this year for this team and um, I also got to say, I mean, I think Keenan Garber is really starting to play some really good football too. So, yeah. I mean, you don't even see they they hardly throw at him. So uh, he's he's a guy that was getting attacked a little bit in man coverage early in the year, and I think teams have found out that they really can't do that. Um, you'd like to see his own coverage impress a little or improve a little bit, and, and kind of know the depths and everything. But in terms of man coverage, he, he's on his p's and q's right now. Yeah, the defense is is doing a lot of good things. Before we get to the defense, maybe we should uh, maybe we should go take a break. But when we come back, I do want to cover just the the quarterbacks and get off of that, and then we'll get to the defense because they deserve a ton of praise. Obviously, in a game where they they only give up three points, uh, but we are back with more 
chatter about the QBs coming up next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. So I know Chris Kleiman after the game had uh, a quote DY in the postgame press conference that left us being like, all right, like what, what exactly does this mean as far as if they're going to continue to do this at quarterback with both rotating yeah. series or those from here? I, I'll just let you explain how you interpreted what Chris Kleiman had to say about it after the game. Yeah, I guess I can probably provide a little bit better context and interpretation of, of what entirely went down. I think, and I'm pretty certain, and I forget who asked, it was talking about, you know, essentially this alternating every series, because that's what every Johnson will out yeah. a bit throughout the game, alternated every single series. Can you do that going forward? He says, I, or, or will you do that? Can He says, I don't know. I don't think so. And, and I think the question probably, you know, it, was th- it seemed like a throwaway question to him. He's zipping through these questions. He wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. So I don't think that was a lot of thought was put into it. Um, but for me, it, it was just like one of those things that's like, I think we understand because the, personally for me, even as a fan, as a media member, I don't remember the last time any team actually alternated every single series with quarterbacks. So I think Chris Kleinman was probably referring to that specific detail and saying, eh, this is probably not sustainable. And it's cer- certainly not. Maybe it would be against Houston if they can't stop you, regardless of who is that quarterback as well. You could do that and keep the mystery alive even further to give Texas, you know, a little bit more preparation. But I think going for like, it doesn't matter how much you play well, how much you play Avery. I mean, it does for Kansas State in terms of what they're going to do as a plan. But for an opponent, they're going to have to, they know that they're going to have to prepare for both a lot, no matter what. And I don't think any ratio is going to really shift that thinking between now and when they play anybody that remains on the schedule. So what I will say is I agree with Chris Kleiman in the fact that you're not going to be able to have this kind of ratio, probably not close in some of these games coming up that in in tight games, you got to pick a quarterback and go. Like if it's like 24-20, like you can't just say, oh, it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You know, that doesn't work. You're going to have to pick a quarterback and go at some point. What I would say, and what Chris Kleiman, I think, would agree with at this point, is you're going to need both. Yeah, I think I initially, when I said I was texting with you after the game, DY, and I saw that quote, and I, I think I just didn't have the full context of it because when I read it, I was like, oh, he's like saying we're not going to rotate at all anymore. Like it's going to be one guy moving forward, and whoever that guy is is going to be the guy. And I was like, well, if they chose Will Howard, does that mean they're not going to like get Avery Johnson's explosiveness on the field? Because that's a mistake to me. Um, but then. As I dug in more and I saw other people explaining it, and now your explanation, it just sounds like that obviously it's not sustainable to rotate every series. I mean, that I don't think I've ever seen rotating. No, I don't think I either. And to be honest, it's probably not sustainable to even come close to rotating every series. So you you do have to pick kind of pick one at some point and then sprinkle in the other. Yeah. And I I can get on board with that. I I just, yeah, there's those. If there's going to be 100%. Like a hundred to zero ratio, because you need what Avery provides probably a little bit more than what Will provides. If you had to go hundred to zero, you'd have to go Avery. Did Did Clement say after the game was that the plan going in to rotate every series, or was it because it no, just started it, working? It was just working so well that they just were like, "I'll keep doing it." If they were they went in with this basically the a little bit different, but essentially, and I'll pat myself on the back for calling this essentially the same plan for the Texas Tech game. 
Will gets the first series. Now they did first two in Lubbock, I believe, but Will gets the first series. Avery gets the second, and then we'll go from there. That was the only play they had. Yeah, well, worked out, worked out pretty damn well. But I agree, it gets tricky. I mean, that is the only thing like coming out of this game, and I, I know I'm trying not to be very negative about much of anything at all here, but it. You are a quarter on themselves, right? Yeah, like yes, it, yes. It feels like the quarterback can at, at at best has been kicked down the road, and at worst has been made more difficult to decipher what exactly you're going to do. Good, kind of difficult. I'm not yeah. cr- criticizing anyone, but like because Will seemed to figure at least a few things out and showed some growth forward, and Avery still had flashes. It's like, man, we're at the same spot we were at the Texas Tech game, except now it's a little bit even more challenging of what, what to do moving forward. I'm happy for Will that Young in there um, was a good teammate. You know, you knew that he would and then had some success yeah. as well. And yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Houston will probably be the same, but I don't know. You're going to have to have a plan because at some point you're going to get kicked in the mouth. One of these core is going to get punched in the mouth, get kicked in the mouth. And what do you do when you meet that adversity? Because when you, since you started this basically two quarterback system, you've met very little resistance and adversity. So what happens when you do that will be how we know the coaches are going to manage this two quarterback situation. Because another reason why I say it's not sustainable, it's easy to screw up. It like, this is not an easy thing to manage. Like I know people are going to be jumping down the coaches throats at the, you know, the very first sign of mismanaging it. But this is a hard thing to do, and that's why I said it's not sustainable and why at some point they got to be ready to to go out there and pick that guy when the time comes because it's going to come. Yeah, um, it is. Like in Austin, well, it may happen, you know, this week. I don't want to discount Houston, obviously. You just pushed Texas to the wire. But, you know, say you're in Austin and you get down by 10 points in the first half and the offense is throwing, yeah, what do you, what do, you do at, at that point? And I think the – Part of the reason we say it got potentially more difficult here is it's like both quarterbacks played well, but you also saw like the exact things that have you with some reservations about each. You know, I mean, Avery Johnson, I love the flashes that we see. Obviously, he had some really explosive looking runs like he was a shoelace tackle away a couple of times from busting like the really big one um, and and dropped a dime in the bucket on the, the one pass to Jace Brown that Cole referenced earlier high level stuff there but then at the same time there's a sequence where he takes a really bad sack because he he thinks he can run around somebody and can't and then literally i think it was right after that he picks up a delay of game so you know just some freshman moments uh that that you're going to experience with him and with will it was like i still just we talked about inefficiency in the passing game it's like that will's the guy where you're like i mean you should be efficient in the passing game like avery johnson i can understand some of that a little more some of the misses but you need Will to be more efficient passing the football to feel really, truly confident about it. I think it was a small step forward probably as far as that goes, but still definitely not not where you'd ultimately like it to be. Yeah, Avery had the delay game. He took that sack ration because he thought he could get around a guy. I think he had one or two balls where he kind of threw as like, you know, he kind of got away with something there as well in terms of two incomplete passes. And it was Will – he had a ball in the first half that I thought was an example of what was hurting him, you know, in the first few games. And that's, I think he had Keegan Johnson kind of broke free down the field for what could have been a touchdown. It would have been close, but he catches that ball, 
ES space to at least make a run at the end zone. Instead, he throws it late to Phillip Brooks along the sideline. And because it was late and because it wasn't really the right read or right decision, and you know, and nearly gets picked off. So you, you still, like I said, I mean, it's hard to nitpick that game. You won 41 to three, and both guys played really well for the most part. But they both had moments that they'd like to have back. And I think Will Howard agreed with that after the game. You talk about how the vibes could have changed in that stadium. That was the first drive, DY. And if that's an interception for Will, it's a, it's a tough spot, man. And uh, yeah, it was behind Phillip Brooks. It was late. And uh, yeah, I, it just the thing with Will, there just weren't, there weren't a ton of passes like, you know, stretching the field, right? Like what was the, the, the pass to DJ Giddens was a 60 yard swing pass that was basically a lateral. Um, there weren't, there weren't a lot of balls thrown downfield. The really the big explosives in the passing game in terms of air yards per throw were from Avery Johnson, and then, uh, but Avery made some mistakes too. There was the fumbled exchange on the very first play, right. which I, I don't know whose fault that was, or you know, just that's going to happen on at times, and K State falls on it. Credit to Avery Johnson for that happening on his very first snap, and again, not rattled, and they go right down and still scored. Howard lost the snap too. I just thought about that. The snaps weren't ideal. Yeah. Yeah. There were some wild snaps uh, that were coming back there. There were a couple other that Will had to snag as well that weren't uh, weren't ideal. And I didn't like a couple of the hits Avery took. Uh, that's for sure. There was the one where I was shocked he got the first down, guys. The one where he got pile drived up in the air and then slammed to the ground, but he got the first down on it. And then he got. He got landed on a couple times pretty hard, and then a cheap shot by a TCU guy on a personal. Just to say, are we are we shocked that I saw that? And immediately, I was like, "Believe in TCU, man." Of I, I, know, I know what the plan has to be when Avery's in the game. You have to incorporate that. It was just a hair more, especially late, than I'd like to see in terms of QB called run. Yeah, that would have been a time like, especially like his last series. I just would have liked to have let them see in the passing game. Like, yeah, let him like, let him zip it around, and maybe don't give that last series to Will. Is even what I was thinking. Yeah, I was surprised Jake Rubley wasn't on the field at that point, to be honest. Uh, I, I would to be honest, what was I'm 34-3 going to the fourth quarter. I would have made the fourth quarter entirely, Avery Johnson. That would have made sense. I, I wouldn't have gotten to Jake Rubley either. Like, I know people were calling for that, and I get it. It's sentimental. But, man, if you're going to – if you want to use Avery and yeah, they, yeah, have, they have to use Avery, like, Jake, getting Jake Rubley reps would be stupid at this point. You're going to play Avery Johnson the rest of the year. That kid needs to play right now and get as many reps as possible. Yes, correct. Get get live reps with the bullets flying. I, I agree a thousand percent. There was no reason for Will Howard to play late. And there was no reason for Jake Rubley to play late. I mean, honestly, is, is any of it, uh, maybe this is a little conspiratorial, but is any of it thinking like, hey, if Avery goes in and really lights it up, tears it up, like we're just going to hear the roar even louder of you need to be playing this guy full time is there a concern with I, something? Think, you know, I mean because they were already getting that and the kid had five touchdowns last week didn't have one this week so dy yeah. did uh did keegan johnson get hurt in the first half because i didn't think he played a snap in the second half or do you think that was them just the game was in hand they didn't need him and they decided to rest him because your guess is as good as mine on that one i feel like something happens every game yeah, I'm gonna say I don't. I mean, Cole, I I know John, you're frustrated. Yeah. Back to what I said about a month ago. Uh, I'm just at this point. If you get something from him, that's gravy. That's great. I don't think you can really count. Well, what I will say, John, is there's been multiple times this year where he was wide open for a huge play and they didn't throw it to him. Like that happened against Troy. It happened against, uh, and then it happened on Saturday. So there have been. I'm, I'm sure Keegan is frustrated too. I mean, I'm sure it's just been a very frustrating season for Keegan Johnson and a frustrating last couple of years. But uh, 
I think KSA fans were all frustrated too. Like you talk about, well, the frustrations with the offense earlier this year, a lot of that, like there was so much hype on Keegan Johnson and it's just been so incredibly disappointing. So, yeah, but Hey, I mean, if Jace Brown's going to step up and be a guy that can provide you some of that, I mean, like what, just get it done however you can. Yeah. And uh, I think, I, I still think Garrett Oakley is going to come on, um, got a touchdown wiped off the board for him, but made a, a really difficult catch in traffic on a, a third down. Conversion. Yeah. I was, I thought Garrett Oakley had a nice game. Yeah. yeah he's going to yeah. keep coming on. He's going to keep coming on. They'll have Ben Senate. They'll, uh, they'll keep getting guys in and, and they formed a, just a terrific tandem in the backfield with Trayshawn Ward and DJ Giddens. Uh, those two have now rushed for over a thousand yards, almost 1100 yards combined. I mean, in our preseason preview pod, we I think I asked you guys, like, do DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward rush for 800 yards or more each? And and they're pacing toward that. Giddens is only 174 away from that, and Ward is about 350 away, maybe. What I will say is it's it, they're doing it in a different way than maybe we had anticipated. But over the course of the last two games, I won't say three because one of those was Oklahoma State, I believe, they're giving at, at this point they've given defenses a lot to think about like yeah go ahead oh no i was just i just feel like i haven't sh- you know shouted out the offensive line enough i mean john you you mentioned earlier k-state beef and they took heat earlier in the year but they are playing some incredible football up front i mean they're mauling guys these holes are gigantic and they're uh they're opening things up and like they've got seven guys that i think you can count on now up front um I, I just think I think Carver Willis has just improved night and day, and I'm not sure if there's much of a difference between him and Christian Duffy. He's improved so much. I mean, and and, and the coaches will be like, "I told you so," probably a little bit, and saw in some of these examples. But you know, they stuck with the guy when everyone else wanted him off the field, and now they're being rewarded for it. Yeah, and that that tends to happen. And I think like big picture take that I had from this game too is like and I, I'm I freaked out as much as anybody after the Oklahoma State game it was it was a pretty gross effort but it seems like there's one of those every year and we kind of freak out and panic and they stay the course on things and it, it generally pays off and you know obviously we would love that they don't have the stinker every year to to get yeah. everyone riled up but you're right uh, it's it to an extent that happens to everybody and Kleiman's clearly proven he, he and his program are good enough to withstand things like that and just keep moving when when everybody else starts bailing and jumping shit. Every team lays a dud every year. You alluded to it. Um, You'd like to think you're good enough to overcome it, but obviously sometimes you're not. And when I think about the offensive line guys, I mean, people were like, well, who are they going to have next year up front? But now Carver Willis looks like a guy that you can certainly count on that'll be back next year. Hadley Panzer will be back. And then I'll tell you a guy that I think is coming on now that he's finally getting to more play more football. I think people forget that Taylor Portier has hardly gotten to play any football because of the multiple injuries that he suffered. Taylor Portier can come back next year too, and I think he's coming on as well at guard. So you start to look at it, you potentially have three starters, and then you got some young guys you feel good about next year that are coming back as well. So uh, really good things up front from Connor Riley's group. They're they're playing really well, and I think my favorite one of my favorite plays was Cooper Beebe. So. Uh, pancake block of that guy and then just going and hitting another guy on that they gave avery like 10 seconds there on a passing play yeah that was that was pretty great uh now as far as the defense goes i do someone tweeted this at me shout out to uh, ksu fan 360 <laughs> said someone has to ask and i look defense lights out phenomenal performance 
Someone has to ask, but is K-State getting TCU's luck this season with backup QBs? Didn't have to play John Rice Plumley. Didn't have to play Tyler Shuck. Didn't have to play Chandler Morris. And now, because of the Quinn Ewers injury news, may well not have to play Quinn Ewers at Austin uh, next week. I guess Donovan Smith should perhaps be careful walking around this week. I don't know what what might be coming his way for uh, for Houston, but um, yeah, there. And I was like, look, yeah. there is there is an element to that that they, they have been pretty fortunate in that regard, but they're still improving, and I'm not going to take anything away from what they've been able to do. Yep, and and uh, you know, a good point would be to make is Kent State's playing a lot of backup quarterback too, so it it's it's going around the league. They're they're not. Uh, they're willingly doing it. That that would be the difference. And and TCU, I'll say this: uh, the rest, yes, back and quarterback luck. Kansas State's getting it like TCU got last year, uh, at least more that more than usual. But but they probably still got the better TCU quarterback. That's all I'll say. Like uh, you know, they they probably would have been better off if they got Chandler Morris, or Kansas would have been worse off. Maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know. I maybe just that BYU is really not yeah. very good. <laughs> Well, well, that, but I would also say that uh, we thought TCU was a fraud, and I think part of that was because we knew Chandler Morris wasn't that good. But then, John, I mean, I gave you a hard time about BYU, and then they dominate Texas Tech. I mean, I'm clearly yeah. wrong. I'm clearly wrong on Texas Tech. Texas Tech is D-E-A-D. Here, yeah. here, here's the Texas Tech thing. They are going through 2020 Will Howard is what they're going through right now with the fact that they're having to play a true freshman quarterback who's just not – needed more development that was not a guy that was supposed to be playing immediately like that's yeah. that's what's that so they're i think they're just pretty but, 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 but i would say to cool's point like that was happening in texas tech before this kid got on the field like they were a disaster yeah but they weren't they could have beaten byu with baron morton like oh. they weren't they weren't that level bad he's that kid's thrown three picks each of the last two weeks like they weren't yeah right they weren't that bad but they were four and three can, can, well going to the kids state game and considering their expectations that's that's that was a disaster already and then that form, and with Jake Strong, I get it. He's throwing six interceptions in six quarters. Well, here's the thing. Texas Tech, Joey McGuire's got to look in the mirror and figure out what he's doing with his QB run game and getting guys hurt. Because last year they got Donovan Smith hurt, they got Baron Morton hurt, and they got Tyler Shuck hurt. And this year they've gotten Tyler Shuck hurt, Baron Morton hurt, and they're on a true freshman. I mean, you talk about K-State being frustrated fans with QB injuries. They're going through it two straight years at the quarterback spot. The Big 12 as an overall picture and outlook is really – it is. It's hard to figure out, man. Now I'm a little worried about Oklahoma State in the Big 12 standings because they got the tiebreaker on K State. And what have you, seen, have you seen the rest of their schedule? They have, the the schedule. Four, they have four newcomers and then the Oklahoma game, which is at home. So, yeah. Like, what, what I will say is like Oklahoma State's another one of those teams that can beat everyone, they can lose everyone. Yeah. I looked at their schedule and I, I think they'll drop one of those games that you look at right now and you're like, oh, they're going to win. I think they'll drop one of those and I think they'll lose to OU and Bedlam and I think they'll end up six and three. Which year is here? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say going back to Texas Tech a little bit, and I know you're on Oklahoma State, but you're, we're all pointing the finger at the quarterback situation and the offensive situation. They haven't stopped anyone in like a month. And he, be, who that? Texas Tech. They just give up a shit ton Texas of points to BYU yeah. and Kansas State. Let's look at the defense but, a little bit here. But, John, you're right. I mean, I, I don't. Quinn Ewers is not going to play against K-State, I don't think. They they came out saying it was a grade two AC joint. Grade two is usually four to six weeks. Yeah. yeah. Probably not. That was the 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 report from Pete Thamel yesterday was that he is going to miss, quote, some time. So no, yeah, yeah. Grade two sprain is typically four plus weeks. So I, I'd be shocked. And it's his throwing arm, right? So it is. 
Yeah, there's a, in 12 days from now. Uh, yeah, it's hard to see. So that's usually uh, that's usually the recovery period for a grade one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, isn't Jalen? Didn't Jalen Daniels have a, a AC joint sprain last year? Isn't that what it was for him that missed yeah. like four or five weeks? Okay. Um, well, yeah, but uh, I would I would not be using Jalen Daniels as the barometer for typical recovery. Oh, I, I know. I am honest. Uh, um, but it it changes things a little bit as you look ahead to the Texas game, right? I mean. Uh, I, their backup quarterback, if they don't go to Arch Manning, their backup quarterback's more of a runner, right? Yeah. Murphy, like Murphy, so, you know, he's huge. I mean, that dude's a load. Oh, he's he's, he's yeah. athletic, and he's it yeah. doesn't make their offense less potent. It makes their receivers and their tight end weapons probably a little bit more limited. Well, what I was going to say is Texas scares you because they got Xavier Worthy, they got Jatavian Sanders, they got AJ Mitchell, uh, they got all those weapons at the skill positions, and if you can take some of those away because you got a quarterback that. Uh, uh, you know, can't get it to him potentially, then I think well, that's significant. You'll take all the help that you can get. I would also say Texas is probably the only team left on the Kansas State schedule that can beat Kansas State up at the line of scrimmage, though. Yeah, I was going to say, is it too soon to get flashbacks and nightmares of Texas going wildcat, uh, you know, and just line out like they did with Roshan Johnson against them in 2021? The, the only team left on the Kansas State schedule, if Kansas State's playing their best game, that can compete with Kansas State at the line of scrimmage is Texas. And I don't think it's close. You know, no argument here on on that. KU's offensive line's not bad. I was going to say, KU's offensive line's decent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Baylor, Iowa State, Houston. Well, with with the couple minutes that we have left here, I do feel like we've omitted the defense a little bit in general. The Audi, anything, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, anything that you want to get in about the defense and the defense's performance? I, I would say... As good as it was, and when you hold a Sunny Dykes offense to three points, when you hold in a TCU offense to three points, Cole told you the historical. Excuse me, that's a that's an upstanding human being, Kendall Bryles, uh offense to you, DY. <laughs> Drew Galloway, who works with me at KSL, had a good joke. So I guess that's probably something that he does every game. But Kendall Bryles ran around the football field probably at least ten times before game pregame. All the guys are stretching and doing their warmups. He's just running laps around the football field. And at the end of the game, Drew looked over at me and says, Kendall Bryles ran more laps than TCU scored points. Hey. So, got, uh, got him there. I would say just as good as that was, but I can't say defense, nothing actually does really pop out um, as overly exceptional. It's not like they created four turnovers. They just kept getting stops because they, they tackled a hell of a lot better. You can tell they had a – meeting of the minds on that front to, to kind of address that. Desmond Purnell did play elite. VJ Payne is playing elite right now as well. So those are two guys that maybe I would call out in terms of, whoa, you guys were phenomenal. But uh, Joe Klinerman called a great game. And I thought, again, I thought the key was they never let Josh Hoover really throw with his feet. Yeah. Last 13 drives, K-State's allowed three points. Now they had nine drives defensively against TCU, three points allowed. And then four last the four last four drives against Tech were three interceptions and a turnover on downs, albeit with a freshman quarterback and Jake Strong. So defense is playing really good football right now and uh, starting to come on. I mean, you talked about it. Do I was going to take it was going to take some time for the defense to gel, and yep. uh, it looks like they may be reaching that point. Yeah, and and they probably still have some growing pains ahead of them. I, I don't know that I anticipated coming together this fast. So some of that was a product of a lot of things coming together for a really good night. So there, there's still some belly 
belly aches and, and headaches coming, I would imagine, especially with Texas rem- remaining on the schedule and, and having a night game, probably a night game on the road at KU that is a tricky offense to prepare for. But one game at a time, right? Yeah. So Houston's next week, and early forecast suggests we're about to get some real fall weather, maybe winter weather. Yeah, there's a chance of some rain, which, uh, hey, okay, so it'll just run the hell out of the ball, right? And uh, have another game of 200-plus yards on the ground. Yeah, Patrick Gomba visiting this weekend, so people need to be pumped for that. Basketball, mm-hmm. five stars. Anyway, there's a chance of rain or winter weather, like, which is <laughs> well, I, well, I was told there's a big gold cold friend. They'll be in the 30s, so it could be a uh, I don't think it's going to be in the 30s, D.Y. Come on. It's going to be uh, the high is like 58. And so, Is that... Is that bad for Ngongba? Can we request the... If they, if they, lose, the if they lose Gongba because it rains, John, like, come on. This, you know, we'll just put him up. We'll put him up in a suite. Uh, well, the high is 51 now with a low of 43 and uh, yeah. 50% chance of rain. Um, this just gets back to why haven't we built a retractable roof? I mean, look, we're a billion-dollar university with elite wealth, um, wealthy donors. It's time to build it, though. So... If only we had somebody that worked for a giant conglomerate that could pay for that uh, very, very easily to, uh, you know, coax some donations headed our way to make that happen. I know, Paul. Paul, what are you doing right now? So did coax, so I think he was talking something else. Hmm. I don't know. Is that a Paul Paul Edgerly shout out there? Is that what That's that was? Right. I didn't want to call him up with his last name, but uh, okay. Paul. Still forward. As a as a host of the show, I feel like that had to be addressed so that someone wasn't like Paul. Who the hell? Who's Paul? Feinbaum. Paul Feinbaum. Well, yeah, Feinbaum wanted to make a donation. That would be great. Um, okay, I guess uh, on on that. Yeah, we should probably call it there. Let's 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 try to give the defense a little more love on the on the next show. All right. Feel like we didn't we didn't do enough. And it's just so business like. I mean, there wasn't like I, I don't know what necessarily I struggle to call it out. I mean, I did like a rapid recap for KCSN after the game. My my parents were with listening to it and they're like, You didn't talk about the defense at all. I was like, Yeah, gosh, I'm sorry. Well, I had to cut the last part where I did talk about the defense because of length, but yeah, no, they kind of got overshadowed in this one, and uh, they're playing good football. So, Desmond Purnell, hell of a pick. Should have had another. So, should we have? Uh, should we have Purnell on as the uh, player spotlight this week? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Who, should, who should we have? Purnell would be good. Ask him about playing in the old Centennial League, man. I remember him from the Centennial League days. Yeah, yeah. Did you know he was going to be this good? I did not. No. But yeah. yeah. Jaw was all over Damian Nilali. That's his guy. He, yeah. he was a stud, man. He was a stud at MHS. Mike well, McCoy. Oh, Mike McCoy was the most dominant player I've seen in the Centennial League, dude. He yeah. you know, killed people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was all over Avery Johnson. I, I Guys, I thought Avery Johnson was going to be a good player. So I don't know how you ever, ever were able to tell, man. That seems, uh, seems like a great scout, great <laughs> scouting guy that you got right there. Okay. Uh, appreciate our friends at Holiday Distillery. Get your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottle, and Bond Bourbon. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code 3mod23 to get 15% off your first order. We appreciate the help of Nick Springer behind the scenes. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another 3mod. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. 
you can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.